folks. Welcome to Two Feet Apart with me, your host, Peachy Patrick. Two Feet Apart is a space for individuals to learn that language matters, that words mean things, that to embrace diversity means to practice inclusivity within the LGBTQ plus Indigenous, people of color, and Black communities. To embrace diversity means to provide accessible practices for those who possess visible and invisible disabilities. It's a space to place egos in the crevices of our beings in hopes of broadening mental horizons to foster growth. It's a space to fuel mindfulness. It's a space to emulate vulnerability in the sharing of our stories because our stories are our greatest strengths and our strongest powers, our superpowers. With that in mind, happy listening. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Two Feet Apart with me, your host, Peachy Patrick. Today, we have one of my favorite internet queens, Hannah. She is a content creator surrounding all about confidence and boundaries. Um, Hannah, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Thank you for that lovely intro. I'm very happy to be here. Um, A bit about me is I am a confidence content creator and all of my content, which is mostly on Instagram, is all about helping people find and maintain their inner confidence. Um, It comes a lot from my own story. I have a long history of chronic illness and that really making me feel insecure about myself and going through all of the things that a lot of women do growing up feeling insecure about their bodies and like they have to constantly be focusing on getting smaller and shrinking themselves and who they are and I went through so much of that growing up and so now it's become my goal to help people not be like not have to go through what I had to go through to just help people find that inner confidence find it within themselves and share it with the world I love that what was like the pivotal moment for you um where you kind of realized like because I know for me in my own personal journey um kind of related to these things there were moments where I was like wait, it's not normal to feel this way about yourself or to treat yourself this way. Um, And I'm curious if you have like an identifying moment like that, that made you kind of start on this journey. Mm -hmm. That's a great question. I think there were, there were a couple moments, you know, I had a not very good relationship with food at the time. And I kind of just realized like I was spending so much of my energy counting calories and planning workouts and doing all this stuff that I really didn't have to be spending the energy on. And when I finally realized that something clicked, then I was able to start really moving forward and on that journey. And also powerlifting played a big role for me. Um, Powerlifting, for those who don't know, is basically lifting, like just regular weightlifting, but the only purpose of the sport is to get stronger. So I started around five years ago and it taught me a lot about body acceptance and just learning how to use my body as like a vehicle because for the first time in my life, I was going to the gym and I was living my life without trying to shrink myself. So starting powerlifting 
was a big thing for me because it taught me how to feel my body. It taught me how to treat it like a vehicle. I'm not saying that everyone needs to power lift in order mm -hmm. to learn these things, but for me, it was huge for what, sure. What introduced you to powerlifting? I had been lifting in the gym, like just regular, you know, doing circuits or doing whatever workouts I could find online. And I would squat sometimes. I would go see how much I could squat in the gym. And I just remember I could not get stronger. I was at like putting a plate on either side for weeks. And I just thought, God, like, I really wish that I could get stronger at this. And one day I went into the gym and I just tried to see how much I could lift for a one rep max. And I was able to squat like 200 pounds, which is pretty, pretty substantial, especially pretty impressive. Yeah. Where I was at, but I always have had a lot of strength in my legs. And I just remember feeling so good after like, just, you know, the feeling of being able to lift a lot it's almost like proving to yourself that you are strong and capable and it's very empowering. And I was pretty much, you know, one of the only women in my gym who was doing this, mm -hmm. but it made me feel like I could do anything. And once I hit that PR, it was like, okay, I'm going to power lift. And I found a program and I just ran with it. I love that. Um, did you ever have times where kind of while you were doing that, those body negativity thoughts still crept in? Um, I know a lot of times in, in recovery, you can try to find like that better relationship with movement again, but oftentimes those, those thoughts are still kind of in the back of your mind. Like, oh, I wonder what I could be doing more of to, you know, get a smaller tummy and things like that. Did you find that that was something that you struggled with? Um, when you began your powerlifting journey? Yeah, I think it just manifested kind of in different ways. Um, it's with powerlifting, there's different weight classes. So, you know, you want, because and you compete in people in the same weight class as you. And it is advantageous to be a smaller weight because you're lifting more, you're a smaller weight, like that's better. So, you know, I think I was at a point in my journey where, I had been doing, you know, like I had been dieting and been in that headspace for a long time and I was really ready to let it go. So there was a bit of time in the beginning where I was trying to, you know, do different kinds of diets for like athletes so that I would be stronger in the sport. And then I just had to make a decision to say like, I don't care, even if it does make me stronger even if it does do this, like, I'm not going to be, you know, the number one world champion powerlifter. So I just have to let it go for my own mental health because doing any sort of tracking, I I don't like to do. That's mm -hmm. a big boundary that I like to set with any diet culture stuff. I don't track calories. Damn. You know, I do pay attention to what I eat because, you know, when you are lifting weight, when you are active, you do have to pay attention to how you feel your body, but I don't track or do anything like that. And that's just a boundary I had to set with myself. I think that's a super important one. Um, and similarly now when I, when I go to the gym or workout, I try not to even like be mindful of like what weights I'm 
I'm lifting and things like that. And I am not in the realm of powerlifting or anything. I am more of a like hit Pilates kind of person now. Um, but there was a time that I did a lot of like weightlifting and things like that. And so I, I got out of the mindset of like, oh, here are my numbers that I need to focus on because I'd be like, oh, maybe when I get here, all my body will change to look like this and things like that. Um, And so kind of taking the focus away from that. And so when you mention about, you know, fueling your body, um, which is really important, whether you're working out or not, but especially if you are kind of putting your body through that extra, I guess, fuel release where you need to kind of compensate there. How do you ensure that you do that in a way that's really like mindful and considerate of, um, of ensuring that it's all healthy patterns. Mm -hmm. I just want to say like, before I give my answer that, like, if you're listening to this and you have an eating disorder, like I'm not the first person to be giving advice, go get help. I'm not, I'm not an eating disorder therapist, but for me, um, this is going to be maybe like a little bit controversial or I don't know, but one of the things that I did have an, a very unhealthy relationship with food, but it did teach me like about quantities and amounts and just how much, you know, protein, carbs, fats, things like that. And it did teach me a bit of a fundamental, I think, understanding of nutrition I feel like a basic understanding that a lot of people who are working out really need to have and I think having that base layer helped me understand like you know okay this is the kind of food I need to eat if I want to have more energy in the gym if I want to do this you know I need to eat this food that has a lot of carbs in it I need to eat this food that has a lot of protein in it it was never in a way that was, well, at one point, but you can be mindful of giving yourself those nutrients and giving yourself those things without tracking or without um, restricting anything in your diet. I always like to look at it as like, what can you add to make yourself, you know, feel better versus what can you take away? So, you know, like I would eat a healthy meal before going to the gym because I know that's what I need to make me feel good. I know that's what my chronic illness really needs, but I don't, I'm not going to take away anything. I'm not going to say never can I have a brownie, never can I have X, Y, Z, because there's really no point in doing that, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love... I really love your key point there of like, what can I add instead of what can I take away? Because I think then when we start to take things away is um, obviously when some of those kind of unhealthy patterns really come in. Um, So I know that I personally consume a a lot of your online content, um, but I'm curious what kind of drives and motivates you to continue sharing those bits of your story and things that you've learned to help um, empower other people. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I just, I remember the first time that I shared a bit about my story and I was really scared because it's vulnerable to put yourself out there and to share such intimate parts of your life. But I always had this feeling that I knew other people out there 
needed to hear what I had to say. I knew that other people could relate. And that's exactly how, you know, that's exactly what's motivated me. These are topics that so many people struggle with. Probably the majority of people, or at least the majority of, of women out there. And it's pretty disturbing how much, you know, we haven't talked about them in the past. And even now we're kind of starting to talk about a lot of issues about body confidence and self-love and eating, but it's still coming from not necessarily the best sources. And I just know that people can feel connected to my story. And then I love to share it because of that. And I love to share it because I get to show people that the limits that they set for themselves are too small, that they can ask for more, that they can be confident and they can see a person like me doing it and maybe see themselves in me. And that's enough. I love that. That's really powerful. Would you be comfortable to take a few minutes to share a bit more about your story? Yeah, definitely. Um, I can start. Okay, great. Yeah, I can do an overview. So my own story started when I was around 15. I was quite young and I was diagnosed with two chronic illnesses. And at the time, I really had no idea what that was going to mean for me. And I think no one really else did, but it turned out to be quite isolating in a lot of ways. I went through a long period of severe sickness and not a lot of my peers or none of them could really relate. You know, I was like a teenager. I was a young woman who was really going through all these horrible things that were happening to her body. And I had to learn a lot of hard lessons because of that. Um, I think when you have a chronic illness, your weight does not really say consistent. Sometimes you can lose a lot. Sometimes you can gain a lot. It really just depends on your health. And that would happen to me. And I also, I kind of realized at one point that, you know, I was putting all my confidence in my weight when I lost weight, even because of my chronic illness, because I was just happy to lose weight. And I wanted to find a way to maintain that confidence, to still have it even if I did end up gaining weight, even if my body did change. And although it made my life very, very difficult and still, you know, it still affects me. It's still here. I think one of the biggest blessings that came out of it was the fact that I got to learn that lesson. And now I get to share it with other people. Mm -hmm. So I was, re I hear me out here. I was reading this book um, by Viola Davis. And so I just started her biography. And in one of the first chapters, she is being interviewed by Will Smith. And he says, she's explaining um, a bit about her story and her journey. And he asks the question, like, who are you now? And in the context of, he's like, I'm always in my head that 15 year old that's really heartbroken and 
her answer was, um, and this is a spoiler for anyone that wants to read the first chapter of her book, but her answer was that she's always that elementary school kid um, waiting by the door at the bell at the end of the school day to run from all of the racist boys that are trying to abuse her. Um, so my question, and it doesn't like, it doesn't always have to be something tied to like a trauma um, or a depth, but just kind of a really defining moment. And so my question to you, based on your story and what you've shared so far is like, who are you now? Um, do you mean like, I mean, I can think of, I can think of the version of me that I talk about in that story, mm -hmm. which is, is tied to that trauma. Yeah. I feel like is me. I think that's one of the things that, you know, going through something like that also kind of does to you. It does make you feel like you are defined by still it in that moment and mm -hmm. that's a hard feeling to shake it's something that I have worked towards for a long time mm -hmm. I think that version of me is you know still the small young girl who was afraid to speak up for herself like in the hospital or in school and I carry a lot of her with me still for sure she hasn't gone anywhere, but I think me now is, is still her, but now the biggest difference is that I have that confidence. I'm still that same person, but now I, I believe in myself. She's a big difference mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that with us. Um, and I really admire the way that you kind of were able to shape those vulnerable moments um, and situations and really look at how you can use that to not only empower yourself, um, but then also to expand that and to ensure that other people don't feel as maybe as isolated as you felt or as alone um, in sharing your story. So I appreciate that. Thank you. That was a really good question. I loved it. Thank you. Um, so a lot of people, it's kind of like the concept of like your therapist also likely has a therapist and that's something that some people don't realize. Um, and so on a similar wavelength, a lot of people think that if you're someone that, you know, shares your body online and shares about confidence, um, and empowering yourself and things like that, that you must be bulletproof in that, in that department, in your personal mm -hmm. life. Um, and I understand just from, you know, sharing my own journey, but also struggling at the same time and also watching friends and content creators that I know on a personal level through something similar. So when you have those days or those moments um, where sometimes you don't even remember your own messaging and things like that, what are things that you do to kind of keep yourself, keep yourself in that mindset or to at least remind yourself of what it's like? Mm -hmm. I think, you know, there's so many different ways to answer this and so many people would try to, you know, give the five steps that will ensure that you're going to, you know what, but that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. I think really it is about going back to the basics, um, which is a lot simpler of an answer that maybe most people want to hear. 
but it is about going back to the basics of how can you connect with yourself on a daily basis? What can I do this one day to check in with myself, to connect with myself and to realign with that confident version of myself? I would say like it takes intentionality because in the day-to-day of your life, you know, there are so many, like we're all just human and there's so many things that come up that can derail you, but learning how to check in with yourself and give yourself what you need. I mean, we're all just humans. Like at the end of the day, we're all just like animals walking across this earth. Like, what do we really need? You know, sometimes my confidence comes down to drinking a glass of water, like not even kidding, you know, eating Mm -hmm. food, like you're hangry. Sometimes it comes down to setting a boundary that I've been putting off setting. What am I allowing to take away my energy? Where do I need to make a change? Sometimes it's just about, I feel like tapping into something that you are really good at. Like I love to do things that bring out my creativity. I love to do creative makeup as I'm sure you see online. I love to dance. You know, I love to do those things that they're just very meditative activities and they show me what I'm good at. It's all about the basics of just, you know, what can you do for yourself this one day? Mm-hmm. I love that. But I also really enjoy the fact that you recognize sometimes it doesn't have to be something big. It can be like, did you eat and nourish your body? Did you drink a glass of water? Um because there are days that 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 sometimes feels like that's a feat I did it like um so it's amazing to recognize like it doesn't always have to be something big and it's for sure not a one a one size fits all um but kind of finding like the the joy and the ritual in in the little things that can make you they can make a big difference um what are some parts of your story that you think are really important for other people to hear Um, I think a really important part of my story is my relationship with my family growing up. And I think a lot of us have family or close people in our lives who project their own insecurities onto us. And, you know, we can internalize that voice as our own. For me, you know, I've had uh, a relationship with my mom that has been, you know, she's projected a lot of insecurities onto me. And I know that's super, like, I know that's, that's so common out there. Like if you're going through that, you know, if you have someone in your life who is, is highly critical of you and can be that way, that is, it's really shitty, but I think it's important to know that you can be confident and you can still go on to be the person you want to be. Even if, you know, you grew up and not everyone in your life was supportive of that. Even if you're doing things that are completely beyond expectations that, you know, anyone in your life could ever fathom. Like, you know, the stuff that I'm doing, the stuff that I post online, a lot of people in my life 
can't understand that. And that's, you know, it's not up to me to force them to understand. I think the biggest thing that I want to share about that journey is that you don't always need the approval. And also you are allowed to set boundaries and with those people in your life who are critical. I think as women, we're taught, we have to second guess ourselves. We have to listen to every opinion that's been, you know, coming our way. And even if it's from someone that you love or who loves you, you can kindly say, not today. I don't want to hear that opinion. I'm going to protect my own confidence and my own peace. I'm not going to let your insecurities become my insecurities. And sorry about, sorry about the dinging, but I wanted to share that because I think a lot of us forget that we can, first of all, set those limits for ourselves, you know, say no Mm -hmm. to people say, I don't want to listen to your insecurities. You know, like as women, a lot of us that are me are like, we're highly empathetic, you know, we're, we're really feeling people and it's important for us to protect that from the people who are going to hurt us, even if they love us. And also that we can do things even though people don't understand, or it's completely different from the path that you set up for yourself or that anyone set for you. Mm-hmm. So I noticed your answer um, that you mentioned your family would you be able to elaborate a little on like what your relationship with your family was in regards to your diagnosis and some of the things that we've touched on earlier in the episode? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty wild. So the, the chronic illness that I have is ulcerative colitis, which is a form of inflammatory bowel disease which is very common in Jewish lineages. And my background is that. And my mom has the same chronic illness. Um, She went through very, very similar sickness that I did. I went through it when I was 17-ish and so did she. So I, I feel deeply for my family and the stress that they've been through in their lives that has manifested into, you know, this chronic illness being passed down my family line. And yeah, the intergenerational trauma that they've experienced as, you know, my dad is an immigrant and just as Jewish people in general. Um, But at the same time, I think, you know, you feel for that and you feel for that intergenerational pain, but you can also set boundaries and be the one to change it, which is what I try to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I recognize with like setting boundaries with family, it can be especially tricky. Um, specifically when you have individuals that are highly sensitive um, or even when you yourself are and there comes a point where um, occasionally family members will take boundaries personally and things like that what would your kind of 
words of advice be to someone that is hoping to set better boundaries with their family, but they don't want it to come across as a personal me versus you thing? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. And I think one of the most common misconceptions about boundaries is that they are rules or that they have to be mean or that they are drawing a line in the sand and saying there's something wrong with you so I have to set this limit here but boundaries are really all about respect and setting them you know we think that setting them in relationships means that there's something wrong with the relationship but really as you continue to have relationships the more and more boundaries are going to come up because you're just learning how to work together as two individuals. And we all have our own unique boundaries. So I used to feel very guilty for saying, this is my boundary. This is what I need. But now I look at it as the highest form of respect because I'm able to say, you know, to my family, this is what and, and it doesn't have to be a mean thing, you know, boundaries are very deeply personal. And the way I like to frame them is say, you know, like, for example, a big problem in my family was, you know, my mom would often comment on my body or things that I didn't want her to comment on. And I would let her because I was afraid of setting that boundary. But when I was finally able to say, listen, the things that you say, they deeply are hurting me. Like, please do not do that anymore. Our relationship was able to get better because that source of stress was not there. Mm -hmm. And I think with any new boundary, it feels incredibly difficult and scary, but then you set it and, you know, it may still be hard for a bit because you have to expect that when you're setting a new boundary with someone that there may be some sort of reaction and that's normal. It doesn't even matter if it's your mom who comments on your body or if it's your best friend in the whole world who loves you, you know, to death, there's going to be some sort of reaction. And that's completely normal. I think boundaries take a lot of courage, which is why not a lot of people have them, mm -hmm. but they actually don't need to be hard, scary, big rules. They can be signs of respect. Well, that's what they are mm -hmm. and that's what I love about them and that's why you know I am teaching a workshop the setting boundaries with diet culture workshop to be able to show people that that exactly to give people the authentic language that they can use to set those boundaries for themselves so that it doesn't have to feel like scary and that there doesn't have to be guilt involved. That's a really great approach. And I do want to touch um, a little bit more on the work that you're doing there, but I did have a question um, that came up in the meantime. So I was reading something earlier today and it, uh, it was essentially, I'm going to paraphrase it terribly, um, but someone had shared it on Instagram and essentially just in relationships, if your partner kind of tells you what they need from you um, and things like that, that it should be obviously approaches is a factor here, um, but it should be something that's complimentary because it shows how much they care about your relationship in the sense that they want to communicate 
their needs to best make it work because oftentimes it can be easier just to kind of leave the relationship um, and things like that. And so I'm just curious on what your thoughts are regarding that approach to it um, in the context of boundaries with family and friends, especially surrounding body image and things like that. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with that. And even in the context of my own relationship, uh, we love boundaries. My partner and I, we have a relationship contract with basic boundaries, you know, nothing complicated, things like, you know, one person cooks, one person cleans, like boundaries, you know, when you can say to someone, this is exactly what I need to be happy. You're giving them an amazing gift, which is the ability to make you happy because they know what you want. And I love being able to say, this is what I need. And I love when my partner can say, this is what I need in this moment. And I actually, you know, now that I'm able to say this is what I need, I can notice a lot more when people don't have boundaries and when they can't do that for themselves. And I can be a lot more selective about the kind of people that I want to have in my life and the kind of people, you know, you can get a lot better at seeing who actually does respect your boundaries. And I love when people can tell me what they need because, you know, I don't like to have friends or people in my life who are gonna not tell me what they need and then resent me for it or Mm -hmm. do things like that and the same things that we often you know catch ourselves doing do we really want that in other people you know we have to really think about that which is it's it's a big big thing it is yeah we're not mind readers and we have to be be considerate of that um relationship contract I love you said that and I was like hold on hold the phone can you I am also trying to be mindful of time but can you just kind of sum up how that came about um and and what that would look like for people that are interested yeah um it came about you know we had gone through a period of working through like some conflicts and I just kind of realized like all those things that you think don't need to be said should be said and they Mm -hmm. should be all out on the table. And we sat down and I said, okay, what are the non-negotiables that we need in this relationship right now to be happy? So we just sat down and wrote out a list and it was amazing for both of us because we both got to say, you know, I need to go on one date a week. I need to try one new fun sex thing a week or not like every day. No. <laughs> I was like, oh, um, I like that. Uh, <laughs> we're all busy. We have to, you know, we have to schedule. Um, oh yeah. Honestly, it's such a good tip. Just schedule sex guys. It helps. It does help, but put it in your contract first and then, <laughs> and then they'll know that you want to schedule it, you know? Yeah. You don't even know until you have these conversations, you know, it's, it's like, oh, you needed this one thing a week. Like you need to go on a date once a week. Oh, that's easy. You know, that's so good. I love that. Um, perfect. So I know that we're coming to a close on our time, but would you be able to share, um, 
because I know that it's going to have some gold content, um, a little bit more about the work that you're doing in the space of boundaries, how listeners can find and support it, um, and kind of what that would look like. Yeah, that's a great question. So in a couple of weeks, um, the pre-sale opens for my setting boundaries with diet culture workshop. If you've listened to this episode and you're like, shit, I could really use some boundaries in my life, then it's probably for you. It's for anyone who really struggles with feeling guilty for setting those boundaries, really just has no idea how to navigate setting them and how to set boundaries in a way that feels authentic to them. And I'm teaching it in a one and a half hour webinar which, you know, this is the kind of workshop that would have completely changed my life years ago that I wish someone would have taught me. And I've taken all of these lessons, you know, from family and from friends and put them all into this workshop so that other people can have it a lot easier than I did. And it's really for anyone who is ready to embody that inner confidence, because I like to think that boundaries for me, are the number one tool that are just so fundamental for confidence. And I am hosting the workshop right before the holiday season in the first week of December. So it's perfect for when you are going into these conversations with family and friends that probably feel very exhausting to navigate and boundaries help a lot with that. Perfect timing. Look at you. Um, so where can listeners best find uh, either you online or this workshop? And I'll link all of this below. Awesome. So you can find me on Instagram mostly and also on TikTok, TikTok <laughs> at Healthy Mahana B. Um, if you want to join the pre-sale list for the workshop, I have a link in my bio on Instagram and you can just sign up for my email list and then you'll get all the information sent to you right away. And I'm sure it can be included in the show notes. Of course. So, yeah, that's where you find me. I also have a podcast, Hannah Says Podcast, where I talk about all of these confidence topics. Love it. I corner on the internet. I love it. That's wonderful. Um Thank you so, so much for your time, sharing your story, um, and some really awesome tips about boundaries and relationship contracts. I'm single right now, but the second I'm in a relationship, we're going to sit down and do this because I am automatically in love with this idea. Um, But you're brilliant and you're very appreciated. um, And I really hope that our listeners are able to kind of connect with you in the same way. Oh, thank you so much. I loved your questions. I mean, they're so much fun to answer. I love when they just like really hit me deep in my heart. <laughs> you don't get those questions very much. So I appreciate it. It's true. It. It's true. Well, thank you so much.